to all my fellow mystery fiction-loving fans, and welcome to this episode of the Whodunitville Podcast. The podcast where in every episode I endeavor to bring you the mystery lover, all the latest news, discussion, and reviews surrounding the mystery fiction universe. I'm your host, last tour guide through Whodunitville, Tracy Roberts, and I sincerely thank you for listening in. As we touched on in our last podcast, when I went through all the nominees for the 2020 Edgar Allan Poe Awards, one of the all-time greats just recently passed away. I'm, of course, speaking of author Mary Higgins Clark, who died January 31st, 2020, in Naples, Florida, at the age of 92. Author of over 50 novels, some of her much-acclaimed works are On the Street Where You Live, Before I Say Goodbye, Murdering the Family, and she also wrote the Elvira and Willie series, which focuses on Elvira Meehan, a lottery winner, and her husband Willie, a plumber, solving crimes. She wrote the Under Suspicion series with fellow best-selling author Alifair Burke, which focuses on Lori Moran, produced around a TV series Under Suspicion, a documentary program which investigates unsolved cold cases. If you go on the official Mary Higgins Clark website, you'll find a very nice, very heartfelt message to all of her fans from Caroline K. Reedy, President and CEO of Simon & Schuster, Mary Higgins Clark's publisher. And that was uh, posted on January 31st. If you've ever read one of her books, I encourage you to go there and read that. It's a very well thought out, well written, very touching message. Known around the world as the Queen of Suspense, Mary Higgins Clark's passion for writing exceeded her 38 suspense novels and delved into four collections of short stories, a historical novel entitled Mount Vernon Love Story, a fictionalized account of the relationship between George and Martha Washington, a memoir, and two children's books, one of which being Ghost Ship. More than 100 million copies of her books are in print in the United States alone, with all of her books being bestsellers in Europe as well. Some little-known facts about the Queen of Suspense. She actually worked several jobs, including as a secretary, a copy editor, and she was a stewardess for Pan American Airlines, and actually one of her flights became the last flight allowed into Czechoslovakia before the Iron Curtain fell. Uh, after 1964, she also worked as a radio scriptwriter, where she wrote 65 four-minute programs for the Portrait of a Patriot series. In 1981, Mary Higgins Clark was in Washington, D.C. the day that President Reagan was shot. Because she had a press pass, she joined the rest of the media who were waiting to hear about the president's prognosis. When the press conference finally started, it was Mary Higgins Clark who was one of the few people chosen to ask a question by the doctors. We at the Whodunitville podcast wish to offer our sincere condolences to Mary Higgins Clark's family and friends. Not much of a transition here, but I wanted to put the spotlight on some interesting articles that came out lately. The first one being from The Guardian on Sunday, February 9th, by Catherine Harkup, entitled, How Agatha Christie Mystery, The Pale Horse, May Have Inspired a Murderer. Some of you may not be acquainted with the story of The Pale Horse from 1961, as it is one of Agatha Christie's lesser-known murder mysteries. The novel follows protagonist Mark Easterbrook as he investigates the apparent natural death of a young woman whom he saw apparently then in good health, sitting in a cafe weeks earlier. This leads him to several other similar natural deaths among a group of unrelated people. 
The novel involves contract killers, witches, and poisoning. Uh, this article also cites the fact that Agatha Christie, as most authors do, like to add a sufficient amount of detail to our stories, noting that it is packed with poisonous information. So much so that the story is also credited with saving two lives by readers of the story who recognize the symptoms of poisoning from the novel. The article then goes on to note several parallels between the novel The Pale Horse and a series of crimes committed by Graham Young, who, as it turned out, was himself a serial poisoner who either tried to or succeeded in poisoning members of his own family and co-workers over the years. The article also notes that at Young's trial in 1971, after the diaries he kept chronicling the symptoms of his victims were found, that Young claimed his entries were fictitious and that he was simply preparing to write a novel. Young also denied ever having read Christie's The Pale Horse. Once again, that article is entitled How Agatha Christie Mystery of the Pale Horse May Have Inspired a Murderer by Catherine Harkup on the Guardian website. So what do you think? I'd love to hear your opinions on this. Remember, you can contact me by email through whodunitville at gmail.com or through Twitter at whodunitville. Also, if you have any constructive suggestions about the podcast or if there's some subject you'd like me to mention, send me an email or Twitter post detailing those two. It's whodunitville at gmail.com or at whodunitville on Twitter. The next article I'd like to shed some light on concerns a topic that I'll definitely be going into more detail about, and that's cozy mysteries. This article is entitled, Why Cozy Mysteries Are the Hottest TV Genre of 2020 by K. Thor Jensen and it was posted on Geek.com on February 13, 2020. The article begins with what I consider to be a very broad overview of the cozy mystery, citing things like the protagonists often being amateur sleuths and generally non-tough characters, the imminent threat of danger being lessened, and instead focusing more on the puzzle-solving aspect of mysteries. The article goes on to note something I've always thought of as true, and that's that although there's no defi definitive proof, most mystery fans think that the cozy mystery genre started up again in the mid-1980s as a reaction to grittier crime fiction, and the article cites stories from authors like Marion Chesney and Joanne Fluke as examples of cozy-style mysteries. K. Thor Jensen also lists two of what the author of this article calls bridge shows, TV shows that are more traditional in presentation but still with a cozy flair. Shows like Midsummer Murders or Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. The list then continues with more full-on cozy mystery shows like Rosemary and Time, Hetty Wainfelt Investigates, Agatha Raisin, and The Queens of Mystery, along with a detailed description of where to look for your favorite cozy mystery shows. Again, that article was by K. Thor Jensen, and it appeared on Geek.com on February 13, 2020. Uh, the title of that article was, Why Cozy Mysteries Are the Hottest TV Genre of 2020. These were just two of the articles that recently came out. I wholeheartedly encourage you, if you're a mystery fiction fan, to go forth and seek out the plethora of great websites out there that showcase this genre. It's well worth your time and effort. Another topic I've been thinking about recently upon seeing articles about the movie Knives Out 
is watching mysteries in the theater. I didn't get the chance to watch Knives Out in the theater. Actually, I've never seen a movie mystery in the theater. I guess I've always just associated watching mysteries, pun intended, in the cozy confines of my own home. So I'll put it to you, my listeners. Do you like watching movies like Knives Out in the theater? Tell me your opinion through whodunitville at gmail.com or on Twitter at whodunitville. Another mystery movie that played in theaters all the way back in 1985, but which I first saw at home on our first VCR, was Clue the Movie. Categorized as an ensemble black comedy mystery, it was loosely based on the board game Clue from Parker Brothers. It starred Eileen Brennan, who had already starred in two other mystery comedy movies, The Chief Detective and Murder by Death, alongside Columbo's Peter Falk, Tim Curry of the Rocky Horror Picture Show fame, Madeline Kahn, Christopher Lloyd, Michael McKeon, Martin Mull, Lee Ving, Leslie Ann Warren, and Colleen Camp. During its theatrical release, the film tried to be very innovative in that it featured three different endings, one of which would be shown in each theater. A fourth ending was filmed, but never included because director Jonathan Lynn didn't like it. In it, Wadsworth the Butler, as played by Tim Curry, committed all the murders because of an obsession with perfection. Having failed to be the perfect husband or perfect butler, he would be the perfect murderer instead. He announces that he's poisoned everyone, and when the authorities arrive, he eludes them and steals a police car only to be subdued by three police dogs in the back seat. The only time this ending was ever used was in Clue the Storybook, a tie-in book released with the movie. I remember being a kid watching this and thinking how great that one of two of my favorite things, mystery and comedy, had joined forces. Uh, my absolute highlights for this had to be, well, being a young boy at the time, one of the highlights was the beautiful actresses like Leslie Ann Warren and Colin Camp. But I remembered Christopher Lloyd from Taxi, Michael McKeon from Laverne and Shirley, and of course Madeline Kahn from her string of Mel Brooks movies, Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, and High Anxiety. I bet if you asked anyone who's a fan of this film what their favorite part was, I'd say about 80% would probably say it's Madeline Kahn's completely improvised scene describing the flames on the side of her face. But that's something else I put to you, the podcast listeners. What did you think about Clue the movie? Did you like it? Is it overrated? Underrated? Let me know. And now... I'd like to take a moment to thank the people who are responsible for this podcast, who help me make this podcast every week, and that's Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, I can say that it is the easiest way for anyone, yes, anyone, to make their very own podcast. Have you ever wanted to make a podcast to let your distinctly interesting voice be heard throughout the world? Well, here's your chance. And all you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's really that simple. By the way, did I already say it's free? Because it absolutely is. And here's even more great benefits you get with Anchor. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places where great podcasts like yours can be heard. You can also make money from your podcast with no no minimum listenership. 
It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started because the world is waiting to hear what you have to say. And with that, I think I'm going to conclude this episode of the Houdinaville podcast. Thank you very much for listening in. I really do appreciate it. And as always, remember, it's the mysteries in life that make it worth living. See you next time.